The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road to World Football Show. I am Patrick Doherty, joined today by Mr. Lawrence Jackson. Kyle Dvorak is going to normally be with us on these Tuesdays. He is on the injured list today. Lawrence and I will be talking the fallout from a crazy Monday night football doubleheader, as well as some of the players we are having the most difficulty ranking early in the season. Uh, Lawrence, I, so my rankings article is out every Thursday. Lawrence also ranks for Road to World. His rankings go live every Thursday at noon Eastern in our season pass tool. We're also going to talk a few early season superlatives, most disappointing, most surprising player. But Lawrence, let's just begin right at the top by talking Monday Night Football and the Buffalo Bills' death star uh, that they've got going here. Through two games, we've seen them wreck the defending Super Bowl champions in their own house uh, before making a, a 10-point line against last year's number one seed in the AFC just looks silly at home. They blew past. I thought it was way too many points for the Bills, and they just made it look ridiculous. Many people already thought this was the year of the Bills, and through two weeks they're certainly looking like the Super Bowl favorites. Just what are your thoughts on the Bills, Lawrence, and have you seen anyone you think capable of competing with them through two weeks? Um, that, that, that team that we've seen the first two weeks in the Buffalo Bills, another team is going to have to emerge because I do not see that team right now in any way, shape, or form. I'm watching the game last night, Pat, and I'm looking at these dudes just have their way. Well, like you say, last year's number one seed. Although we don't expect much from the Titans this year, but still, I'm looking at the Bills, and I'm like, who, who's beating them? Who's, who's stopping this offense? Who is slowing this stressful pass rush down that they present you with? Like, who's going to do that? And as of today... I, you know, I there's obviously you got the Chiefs, the Ravens, and their teams like that. But can you really say they could go out there and beat this very complete team right now? I don't know that we could say that right now. I mean, the, the Bills were already – they were already a Super Bowl roster last year. I mean, if not for a coin flip, they might have been Super Bowl winners. And they took a roster that was basically already perfected and seemed to make – one of the biggest signings of the offseason in Vaughn Miller, who's been an absolute terror so, so far through two games. They, you know, kind of did addition by subtraction at their number two receiver spot. Where, you know, no offense to Emmanuel Sanders. He's just, he shouldn't have been playing over Gabriel Davis last year. He wasn't in the biggest games of the year. You know, they do this with, even without Gabe last night. Just crazy. And, you know, it's not just the offense, too. I mean, the, through two games, I mean, we're, we're talking two elite teams from 2021. They're allowing 5.6 yards per pass. Um, <laughs> Teams have been playing from behind against them the entire games, and they've generated one passing touchdown. Like, uh, I guess it helps that the Bills' defense has been able to pin their ears back. But yes, I mean, it just—it's looking like a team basically without weaknesses, and it's kind of the classic. Like, if they stay healthy, which we know you can never ever take for granted in the NFL, if they stay healthy, I mean, the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs could do it. I mean, when you have Patrick Mahomes, you can win any yeah. game. You only need to beat the Bills one time. But, man, they, they, they are the most complete roster. Uh, not just the most complete roster, like 1-53, to 53, but also like the highest in talent. I, I just yeah. haven't seen well, the team. Well, they're, they're, you know, they returned the top pass defense in the league. Last year they were middle of the road 
in run defense, but that's get that has gotten better. Clearly, um, you know, they shut down Derrick Henry week one. Um, Daryl Henderson, definitely Cam Akers couldn't run on them. So the run now that their run defense is up to par with the pass defense, it makes it even more scary. And, and what you just mentioned about uh, the injuries, right? Gabe Davis was out of this game. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie became valuable. Jake Kumaro was out there catching passes and being a factor in this game. So it's just like, where does it end? And then you got Stefan Diggs. So you got Gabe Davis down for this game, but you still got Stefan Diggs out here going 12 for 148 and three touchdowns. At what point do you figure, hey, that's Stefan Diggs. You know, he's only been good in the league for five, six years. We, we Do we want to cover him? But you know what? They can't. <laughs> They just can't. And that's how good that's how good the mind meld between Allen and Diggs has become. That that's also the nature of defending an offense where the quarterback can like freelance every play, can get out of the pocket and just do things other quarterbacks can't. You're talking about the Bills defense, by the way, Lawrence. I mean, one good way to improve against the run is just always be playing with a huge lead so <laughs> yeah. teams can't ever run against you. So they're doing that. And like, you know, even the craziest thing, Tredavious White is not even back yet. Tredavious White is on the pup list or injured reserve, whatever list he's on. They still have Trey White coming back to this defense. And it's again, we're, we're getting like kind of ahead of ourselves after two games, but they played the defending Super Bowl champions and the reigning AFC number. So it's not like we're doing this after they beat, you know, the Jets and the, the Dolphins or yeah. something. They're playing the Dolphins in week three. Yeah. Now, now, Another that'll interesting be, test, actually. Yeah. That'll be interesting. It'll, you know, I, at this point, I feel like the, uh, the, the Dolphins have looked better than the Rams to this point. Um, now, I, I know the Dolphins, they, they they should be okay scoring, but will they be able to stop the Bills? Because they didn't stop the Ravens. And, and I'll be, I won't get many arguments in saying that the Bills wide receiving group is going to be tougher to deal with than that of the Ravens receiving group. And now, while Josh Allen's not going to run an 80-yard touchdown, like Lamar Jackson, he can he will run. So they'll be presented presented defensively with some of the same problems uh, that the Ravens could get to him. And we know since Tua has been the court. Now this is a completely different team, obviously, but he's had trouble with the Buffalo Bills. But it is definitely it'll be it'll be a good test for the Dolphins to see where they're you know to see where they're really at. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be one of the most fascinating games of week three. We're going to talk more about the Dolphins in a little bit. While you were talking, I was just like trying to – I guess I would have to say the Chiefs, obviously, is the one team. But the Chiefs just might not have the high-end defensive talent this year. They might not have the running – they might not have any – like they can't really counterpunch the way they can could some years in offense. And I just – I mean, famous last words of Patrick Mahomes. But I thought it was the year of the Bills even before the season began and uh, have not been dissuaded from that. For two games. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Lawrence, in the other game, we had Jalen Hurts looking to ascend to superstar status against the Minnesota Vikings, and then Kirk Cousins trying to reclaim the Andy Dalton crown. And uh, <laughs> just wondering, like, what are our takeaways from this? Are we comfortable putting Jalen Hurts? I mean, we already kind of had him in the top five. Yeah are, we, yeah. are we comfortable now putting him in the mix where, like, he can be in the number one overall mix some weeks, depending on the matchups? Like, some weeks it's Josh Allen, some weeks it's Mahomes, some weeks maybe it's uh, Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert. Do you think – are, are there going to be weeks where we're ranking Jalen Hurts as the number one overall quarterback? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it, and it might be this weekend they face the Commanders who have a very leaky defense. Um, I think they face the Commanders week three. Um Jalen Hurts was very well on his way to being quarterback one this week. I'm looking at what he's doing in the first half, uh, 250 pass yards, uh, 50 rushing yards, and three total touchdowns. Now, they, they slowed down in the second half, and that wasn't by design. They couldn't put the Vikings away, but luckily for them on the other side, well, Kirk Cousins was throwing the ball. So, and our producer, Adam, just told me, yes, the Eagles are minus six and a half at the commander. So this will be an opportunity uh, versus that commander's defense for Jalen Hurst to be QB one. But 
uh, back to the game. Yeah, he was. I, I, I looked at Jalen Hurst the first half, and I'm like, he he's going for Lamar's head right now in this game. Uh, and then we had Josh Allen who could have ended up QB1 this week, but he did all his work in three quarters. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, Jalen Hurts will definitely be in that mix. When you see uh, some of the throws he made in that first half, it definitely, you know, had your antennas up. Like, yeah, he's definitely uh, – he has progressed. He has developed, and he's ready, and he's got this team easily looking like the best in that division, if not – one of the top contenders in the uh, NFC. So they just have to, you know, put the game away when they have a chance. Like Kirk Cousins and the Vikings had every chance to come back in it, but they had prime time Kirk Cousins. So that, you know, <laughs> that that stopped that from happening. But a uh, very uh, well-played game. I don't even hold Jalen Hurts' interception against them. Kind of fading back, throws a screen, goes off Kenneth Gainwell's hands and, and there you have it. But yeah, uh hurts very much in the mix uh for that QB one spot. And it's a very small pool. Yeah, it's a small pool. And I have him so far in my initial week three rankings as the QB two behind only nuclear weapon Josh Allen. And the Eagles last night, they got a little sleepy in the second half. It tends to happen when you go up like a by three score lead and the first they didn't they still never let the Vikings back in the game. I guess partly because Kirk Cousins didn't want to be back. In the yeah, game. I don't uh, but yeah, Hertz just seems like kind of a perfect storm brewing where he's taken some natural steps forward. They've enhanced the supporting cast, you know, the system. Now they're all more used to the system. They're all, you know, kind of making the system their own after they really, really adjusted that offense on the fly last year. And you reference them you know, maybe being one of the favorites, in the NFC, like it's the year to be a dark horse contender yeah. in the NFC because you know, you got the Rams looking a little shaky. Maybe they lost a little too much from the Super Bowl squad. You got the 49ers who are imposing, but you know, they kind of seem like they maxed out the Jimmy Garoppolo experiment last year. Well, we're certainly about to see. Yeah. You got the <laughs> Packers in transition. You got the Bucks looking all kinds of banged up. You got the Saints with Jameis Winston. It's going to be a really, really interesting conference. Yeah, it, 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 it's wide open. Like, you, you know who the top guns are in the AFC. You could figure the three or four teams that's going to be there in the NFC. It, it's up for the taking. And I expect Hertz and his team, because it's a well put together team uh, to go and do that. But it comes with, you know, adding AJ Brown drafting Devontae Smith last year, who he got involved seven catches for 80 yards. Um, I did take that over 42 and a half yards for Devontae <laughs> Smith, by the way, I, he had to get it. If they were going to, you know, if they were going to get the passing game going in this game, you had to get Devontae Smith involved. And I like that he did it as a possession receiver for this particular game. So all, all in all, man, you know, they looking good. They going into Washington uh, flying high, and, and I like their momentum going in. And it's not a hot take either to say that the Eagles are contention in the NFC. If you just, like, look at the basic facts, you know, playoff team last year clearly got better. Uh, this offseason really stockpiled on both sides of the line and uh they're they're a genuine contender in the nfc hey, what i mean what about the vikings what are we supposed to think about the vikings who they boat race the packers in week one and then kirk cousins i mean honestly maybe the worst performance of his career on monday night football and kirk so just starting going back to the rankings are, do we think kirk is gonna be i kind of thought maybe he would sneak into being every week and every week qb1 with Kevin O'Connell and this Rams light system. But uh, were we maybe getting ahead of ourselves with old Kirk Cousins? What are you thinking about Kirk? Um, Yeah, a lot of people got ahead with that as far as Kirk Cousins goes. Now, this was always going to be better for Justin Jefferson, you know, the guys who get the ball distributed to them. But if you notice, in week one when they beat the Packers – Dalvin Cook ran 20 times for 90 yards. He didn't get a touchdown, so that hurt his fantasy value, but he ran well in that game. Alexander Madison also took eight carries for 36 yards. These Between those two, they ran the ball for – they ran 28 times. They did not do that last night, and what's crazy, the game was never really away from him. You got to give Dalvin Cook more than three carries and a half. You know, no, yeah. six it, carries it was, in a total game. It was bad, especially when Kirk Cousins 
I mean, to steal a joke that several people made on Twitter, if Kirk <laughs> Cousins' number one target is Darius Slay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, How many picks have Darius Slay could have had last dude, year? Dude, yeah, Brian Baldinger tweeted, hey, get Darius Slay on the jugs machine, man. <laughs> I, I, I saw a tweet from Darius Slay's wife. She was like, he should have had five interceptions. He should, no but no she, lies spotted. He <laughs> she, she was like, I'm proud of you, but you should have had five interceptions. <laughs> like his last interception. Did you see the play before that where he dropped it? Kirk Cousins was – he did the same thing. I know. I know. It was It was like literally I think the exact same play. Kirk was, like, Kirk was like, I'm completing this pass this time. All right. Like it wasn't – you know, Darius Slay did his job last night. When you could, when Justin Jefferson had 12 targets and he ended up with six catches for 48 yards, the corners did his job. So why not rely on the running game in this game? I, I, you know who I'm worried about. I'm worried about Kevin O'Connell. Maybe he wanted Kirk Cousins to be the hero last night, and maybe he could have been. Maybe, maybe he could have been if they got the run game going, like the Lions did against the Eagles Week One. Their offense was successful against the Eagles defense because they got you know DeAndre Swift, 144 rushing yards. They gave up on the run too early. They absolutely gave up on the run too early. And I, I think Kevin O'Connell kind of learned a lesson you can only learn like in the game where he came in and was like, I'm going to be the coach, you know, that puts Kirk Cousins over the top. And like, I'm going yes. to I'm gonna be the Kirk Cousins hero. And everyone has to learn their lessons like, oh, that's just not possible. You just got to you got to manage the guy as best you can. You're, you're not going to be the one to like unlock the final level on Kirk Cousins. And he, he's, he is who he is. He's going to have a lot of big games. But he's also going to kick it all over the yard. And on those nights, you got to have a backup plan. And Kevin O'Connell. I mean, they, they got a chance this week with the Lions. And that's uh, that's the highest over under at 53 and a half. So he'll play good that game. Uh, that's definitely a spot start for him. So you, you could do it there. I don't know if he'll. Got him as the QB7 for that game. So God help me. Uh, got him yeah. The initial QB7. Like if he don't throw an interception, he's going to be fine. If he give you 300 yards, two touchdowns, it'd be fine. He should be able to do that versus this defense. Carson Wentz just lit him up. Yeah, by the way, what a, I mean, every year is weird at the beginning, but uh, for two weeks, we're already we're, we're talking about like the Commanders and Lions being involved in like some of the highest total games <laughs> of the week. Uh, things, things change fast around here. Right. Things change fast around. We'll be right back after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, to go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend. By predicting what will happen in college football and Major League Baseball, on the NASCAR circuit and in the Premier League, there's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the 49ers and Broncos and our Sunday Night 7 contest. By the way, Lawrence, sounds like you're uh, predicting what's happening in some Major League Baseball. Going on Battle of the Bets, talking some old, some old baseball, your favorite sport, I hear? Yeah, you know, despite me taking the Titans money line last night, <laughs> I somehow still won my Battle of the Bets. So, you know, today... You know, since I live up here in New Jersey, I'm around a lot of uh, Yankees fans. Judge as, Fever. Yeah, and as you know, I'm no uh, baseball guru. 
However, you know, I know that Aaron Judge is hitting, you know, home runs at a 10 minute clip. So, you know, I had to I had, I had to back him tonight uh, against the, uh, the 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 Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Bucks, the Pirates. The, the, and they, I know they're reeling right now. So I had to just go after them. The Pirates are just always reeling. Um, <laughs> am I imagining this? Didn't you tell me you played baseball? No, 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 it definitely wasn't me. I, I, you know, I've done a couple of uh, adult softball outings. You know what I'm saying? Little oh yeah, kids. I know your daughter played softball. Yeah. We had some baseball play. John Daigle was a college baseball player. Yeah. So we've L- had- little wiffle ball in my day, but uh, never the real thing. I would panic if a fastball was thrown at me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Apparently John Daigle didn't. Apparently John Daigle is a good college baseball player. So he shouts, like an athlete. Yeah, shouts to our former coworker <laughs> John Daigle and Lawrence. It's time to talk some rankings, and it's just like week three is a really really awkward time because two weeks is enough time to collect data and like have some usage patterns, but it's still not enough time to know what's real, and it creates all sorts of chaos and confusion. And just in general, it seems to kind of be like a transition year too, or like. A lot of teams' backfields are kind of turning over, kind of like the Derrick Henry generation, maybe aging out a little bit at running back. I feel like the same thing kind of a receiver as defenses have finally counteracted the pass a little bit, you know, more of the too high safety looks, that kind of thing. It's just like an awkward rankings year. And uh, having a lot of trouble knowing where to rank some of these guys. And we'll start at quarterback. Who is a quarterback you are having trouble ranking through the first three weeks of the season? Well, it's, it's going to be uh, a guy you know I'm high on. That's two attack of Aloha. And the reason it's hard is because he just had one of the best games ever by NFL pro quarterback. But the problem is they're playing a defense that we just talked about earlier in the show, that being the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, I would never disrespect two of the God and rank him outside of, you know, my top. 15 weekly but man seeing is what this bills defense did to you know an explosive rams offense um i guess a not so explosive titans offense but still with one of the best running backs in the game it's definitely you know it's definitely got me a little shook up a little bit about where to rank two because it could go in so many ways. Uh, the Dolphins is—they're always one play away. Now we know they are one play away from just changing the game with those two guys, Waddle, Tyree. So it's like, could the Buffalo Bills blow out the Titans like they've been doing these teams, and then Tua get garbage numbers, or could Tua go toe to toe with Josh Allen? You don't really know where to go, so that kind of affect the rankings. Yeah, and like like you said. It's not hyperbole to say he's coming off one of the best starts in NFL history. I mean, 469 yards and six touchdowns is one of the greatest quarterback performances in NFL history. And so I I have, I've got him right on the QB one, two borderline, right? I'm kind of starting out with him at QB 12. And I honestly, as the week goes on and I like absorb more data as I absorb, you know, more interesting tweets, I could see him maybe ascending like QB nine or 10, but like, so this bills team, they're not allowing anything. They're not allowing big plays. They're not allowing you know, the run to succeed where that was kind of their weak spot last year. Like Mike McDaniel through two games as the Dolphins coach seems like kind of like a matchups type coordinator. So I could see him doing totally doing doing something totally different than he did against the Ravens, which you know might not have been his plan to begin with anyway. They were down 20 yes, yeah. and just kind of had to open it up. I could see Mike McDaniel trying to maybe probe the Bills' run defense and see if it's really as improved yeah. as it appears. But they just don't have, like, the personnel, really. It's like I, I was going to say that same thing, too, Pat. Like, uh, because while the Dolphins' line is improved, they're, they're not the, you know, the 2015 Cowboys. You know, no, the no, no, line, no. You know what I'm saying? No. And so <laughs> what worried me is They're that, working from a really low baseline, too. Yeah, yeah. They got Teron Armstead. They got Connor Williams. Cool. It's better. Definitely better in pass protection, or else he wasn't throwing for 469 yards, six touchdowns. At the same time, though, it's not like the Dolphins' run game is just like out of this world right now. Um, in fact, you know, throughout the preseason and in week one, it didn't look good at all. No, so I mean, now that they've incorporated, you know, Raheem Moster more, it's gotten a little better. Um, but I think they best course may be to actually just force the run at them 
in a, in a see if they could get that pass rush, Von Miller and those guys to just back off a little bit, and then you start hitting them with those intermediate routes, lull them to sleep, and then you go deep. So that 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 might be how they look at it going into week three. Absolutely. And the Bills could just be coming the kind of team where you go against them and you just kind of hope to limit their time of possession. But even yeah. if that's not normally the kind of team you are, where you basically try to become like a ball control offense against yeah. them. And I think you keep Tua in the top 12 this week, though, just because even if they do get blown out, uh, I mean, Matthew Stafford didn't get there in garbage time. Ryan Tannehill definitely did not get there in garbage <laughs> no. time. Gave way to Malik Willis. But I, I could see Tua and the Dolphins still. When you got Tyreek Hill, you got Jalen Waddle. I think he'll probably still have like a two-touchdown day. And- this is what the Dolphins have to do. They have to do what the Titans and the Rams did not do, and that's take advantage of any mistakes or turnovers that the Bills may have. And it's happened in both games for the for the Bills Neither team uh, has been able to 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 take advantage of those. Uh, when 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 James Cook fumbled in Week One, oh Matthew Stafford did was throw another interception. Yeah, the so. Bills gave it. Yeah, we're, we're kind of sloppy in Week <laughs> like One. Like they might, they'll leave you some s- slim openings, but you gotta take it. Yeah, I could see the Bills you know, committing a few turnovers every week. They're just so high flying. They're playing so fast and loose right now, and. Uh, yeah, definitely gonna have to take advantage of your opportunities against the Buffalo Bills. Um, for me, the guy I'm having a lot of trouble ranking through two weeks is Mr. Russell Wilson, and I'm trying to avoid making any cooked puns, but yeah, uh, hasn't been looking great. That. Uh, one touchdown uh, against a team starting Geno Smith. One touchdown against a team starting Davis Mills. You know, entire offense is totally out of sync. Maybe it's not all Russell Wilson's fault. But Nathaniel Hackett is not managing the game well whatsoever. Now Jerry Judy's hurt. Now it's a really, really tough matchup with the 49ers. And I think I've been doing the rankings for a really long time. I think for the first time ever since I've been here doing the rankings, I have Russell Wilson outside the top 12. I've been, I'm sure there's a yeah. few tough matchups in the past where I have, but I have him as the QB 15 right now, which just seems insane for a guy with Russ's upside. But yeah, I just frankly have no idea what to do with Russell Wilson. I think I'll end up having them somewhere around there as well. And, you know, the, the Niners are favorite in this game. They're, they're a point-and-a-half favorites in this game because their defense has played well the first two weeks despite the loss in uh, week one. And then you got, like you said, you mentioned Nathaniel Hackett, who's he's that dude who loses the game at the tailgate. And he I got you were going to say loses his wallet. <laughs> he he got to put the beer box over his head because he lost the game at the tailgate and, you know, walking around like a doofus. But may, maybe it's, you know, maybe the Broncos, you know, just try to lean into the run game. But then again, what kind of success can you have there when you going up this going up against this stout uh, 49ers front seven? So would a over under a 45 and a half, I'm definitely like, wondering where to rank a quarterback like Russell Wilson when you mention all of the factors minus Jerry Judy they're still and the fact that they're still trying to figure it out on offense so yeah they still have an identity at all um and Russ he could easily turn around I just don't think yeah you can't fit him into the top 12 this week I don't think yeah and he ain't running like he used to so and they gotta they gotta try like a run-based game plan I think just to kind of like settle things down Maybe give give Russ some like breathing room. Just kind of like figure out, yeah, who in the world they are on offense. And like a lot of these early season Russ storylines could end up looking silly. But you I mean yeah. it's and not just this year. He's, he's been struggling more often than not since the halfway point of the 2020 season, where he had like the best eight games of his career, the first eight games of 2020. Yeah, they was talking MVP. Yeah, and since then he just has not been the same. It's been very strange. Uh and he again, he could easily return. So Russell Wilson's just one of those guys where no matter how bad it looks, I feel dumb ranking him outside the QB one range. But yeah, you just can't do it this week. You just cannot do it. We need some more Tough. information. Yeah, they they need to try a run based game plan this week. You got two really good running backs. To see what happens. Speaking of running back, Lawrence, who are we having trouble ranking at running back? Well, it's these two Rams running backs, <laughs> uh, Cam Akers and Derrick. Please Henry. give me some insight. Like, <laughs> I here, no here I am this whole offseason, like, yeah, Cam Akers, top 10 running back. You know, and then week one happened, and then I had to go crawl into my little igloo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, 
But then freezing cold. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, can makers come about and, and get 17 touches. They weren't uh, efficient touches. He got blown up at the line a lot of the times. Daryl Henderson actually ended up getting a touchdown. So he had the better the better uh, fantasy output, which makes it even more confusing. Coming into week two, people were saying, you know, Daryl Henderson should be a top 12 running back. And that was assuming he would, you know, get 82% of the snaps again. Uh, that dwindled heavily as he only got 56% to Cam Akers is 43%, but Cam Akers out-touched them 17 to 10. So now they got the Cardinals coming up. <clears throat> and this is a team where they could have some success. <clears throat> but the question is, who's going to have it and win? So now I'm confused on where I rank these dudes. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't be more confused because I think the way Sean McVay was talking after week one in the three-carry game for Cam Akers that – he was basically trying to send a message is what it seemed like to Cam about his preparation, I guess, which I thought was interesting because he had never said anything like that ever before about, about Cam Akers. And Definitely so here. Yeah, he sent a message on the field. He didn't send a message through the media. I guess he thinks Cam got the message because then you don't go from giving a guy three carries to 17 in yeah. week two. And Daryl Henderson has been better, but Daryl Henderson is like he's not put the matter to rest. Like yeah. he hasn't made any big plays really. And he's had every opportunity to, yeah, right? Yeah, if yeah. he goes off week one, we might not even be talking about this right now. But yeah. but like I say, the 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 Rams line hasn't been good. No. Like no. Henderson was easily better than Cam Akers uh week one, but he only averaged three and a half yards of carry because both of these guys is finding, you know, it's a tough time for them to have room to run. Uh, luckily, on that eight-yard touchdown run, you know the Rams line magically wanted to block that play, and uh, and it opened up for him. So I don't even feel like I feel like one of these dudes got to be, you know, a top twenty-four running back. I, you know, yeah, yeah. When it's like Cam Akers is coming off a game where he got nothing, and now all of a sudden he got sixty-three percent of the running back touches. So is that you know? Is that the norm? Is it going to keep flip-flopping? It, it makes it real stressful, not even not only to have to start them in fantasy, but to rank them as well. Yeah, just so many variables, like you said, the biggest of which might be the Rams line, and if it's just not good. And, yeah, Cam A or Daryl Henderson could have just settled the matter. He has not done that. Like, Sean McVay has always talked about, like, he views Daryl Henderson as, like, just a committee guy. Um, yeah, I give Daryl Henderson the rankings benefit this week, like ever so slightly. I don't have him ranked quite in the top twenty-four. I think I've got him like RB twenty-five or twenty-six. Yeah, yeah. They got Cam yeah, back right. inside the top thirty-six. It's just a jumbled mess. Um, yeah, I, I actually a little earlier I took off my fantasy cap and, and put on my football cap, and you know made a little video showing what the Rams line has not been doing and why it's hard for both of these guys to run so we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes and yeah i'm just gonna take for granted that i'll be wrong in my <laughs> and uh feeling the same way in new york with uh, michael carter and Brees hall because it's one of these committees where it doesn't seem like it's necessarily like defined roles and they're just kind of like rotating series like rotating plays and kind of like anything goes in any given moment. And it's just like, yeah, kind of like who's hot at that moment. And I have absolutely no idea where to rank Michael Carter or Brees Hall. And too, cause I just have no idea if this is the real Jets offense. Like, I can't believe Joe Flacco's averaging over 50 attempts per game. And so and I feel like I don't understand the nature. In week two. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like I don't understand the nature of the committee. And I feel like I don't understand the nature of the offense. So in rankings, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I mean, Sure, they're both good. They're both flexes. And beyond <laughs> yeah. that, I have no clue what to do. That, that, that's pretty much how I would go about it, seeing them both as flexes. They, you know, it's a true 50-50 committee. Uh, both had seven carries. Brees Hall was uh, more efficient in his carries. Uh, Michael Carter still has the large edge in the receiving game. So that's kind of where it makes things tricky. And that's probably why. I'm still ranking like I'll probably have these you like when you rank them 
I probably have them ranked one behind the other. That's how close it is. A touchdown can separate them. I know Jets don't score touchdowns unless your name's Garrett Wilson now, but, you know, that could be what separate them. But it's definitely a confusing scenario. Yeah, that's what's so frustrating, too, is that Michael Carter is, like, ahead in the passing game, but, like, Brees Hall is still playing a little bit. Like, and I just yeah. feel like through two weeks it could just be, like, noisy data, basically. And, like, oh, all of a sudden Brees Hall is catching five. But, I mean, that's probably not going to happen. Michael Carter has, like, made his name as a pass catcher, but – uh, yeah, it's just I have totally I'm basically ranking them as flexes who are like right by each other and telling readers like if you got some insight into this, like like <laughs> trust yourself and like because I'm just kind of guessing. And uh, if you think you've got some insight on this, you got to go with your gut in this situation because I, I just need more information to be able to properly do this. Um, so, yeah, at, at me on Twitter if you have any idea where to rank <laughs> Michael Carter or Bryce saw Lawrence, who are we struggling with at wide receiver? Well, we'll stay with the Jets here, and it's Garrett Wilson, who coming off a phenomenal game, uh, you know, 14 targets, eight receptions, 102 yards, and got in the end zone twice, right? Those are, you know, those are receive, wide receiver one numbers. But do I want to rank him as a wide receiver one? I can't quite do that yet. Um, for one, is Joe Flacco going to play as well again? Uh <laughs> You know, having a battle rely on Joe Flacco, man, it's just yeah. Maybe because in week one, Garrett Wilson was just as good. He just, you know, Flacco didn't find him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eight targets in week one. Yeah, he and he was wide open for a touchdown. He missed it. So I don't. It don't even really had nothing to do with him and his skill. He definitely has that. (laughs) So I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about you know which type of Joe Flacco gonna come out again because in week one. It was not a good Joe Flacco in, you know, week two. Joe Flacco looked like that playoff run back in 2012. Like just, <laughs> just dicing them up out there. Like he led a comeback victory. Did Joe Flacco, you give me that. Then, then I had to put Garrett Wilson uh, as a top 15 receiver. It's like, we're now in a time where we just had to, you know, we had to start letting go of these guys that we think, you know, are going to be top, like, for example, Amon Ross St. Brown. This guy got to be inside top 10 every week now. He does. Like, he has to be know, a wide receiver one. Yeah. So if Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson has looked spectacular from week one up until this point, and now that Flacco got him the ball, you know, we can see that. I don't know if that's going to be the case now. This week, they got the Bengals team who are dying to get – like the Bengals need to win. This is a playoff game. And yeah, we threw this the is Bengals. a playoff game for the Bengals. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, and the Jets got nothing to lose. So, that's – I'm, I'm a little confused. Like, Gary Wilson definitely going to be inside my top 20. But, you know, I feel like he should be higher, but I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know what to do with Garrett Wilson at all either. And you're going to have some people still taking it really slow and not putting him in like the top 24. That is the big change I've made where I've just, I had to admit he's a wide receiver too, just based on his usage through the first two weeks. And so I have him inside the top 24 as a wide receiver too. And you just make a really important point about the rankings. I mean, sample sizes are so small in football where it's not like baseball and you can wait two months and be like, because a lot of times in baseball, you have to wait two months. Football, right. you just can't do that. Um, and like you have to make big moves early in the ranking. You have to like trust your eyes over what you, know, yeah, yeah. you fall in love with narratives over the offseason six months long, where you get things to some people call it take lock. I think Matt Kelly from Player Profiler calls it take lock, where you just get stuck on a take. But I mean, you, you gotta make decisive moves based on very little data. And Garrett Wilson having 22 targets through two games, having at least eight targets both games, having all these air yards, playing, <laughs> running all these routes. I mean, getting the numbers to match the routes in the air yards, and coupled with the first round pedigree, he's not some random guy, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Elijah. You Moore, have to make the move at the very least. <laughs> you have to get him in the top 24. Elijah Moore's season is whew, that, that's tough right there. <laughs> I know. And like it's also that's kind of hides the dangers of like falling in love with like slot guys. Um, it's weird because Elijah Moore like dominated Jets camp like two years in a yeah. row, and he played well with four quarterbacks last year. 
but Garrett Wilson is the much more traditional number one receiver profile and is so far looking like a much more traditional number one wide receiver. And yeah, you have to be ready to admit that Garrett Wilson just might be a better fantasy asset than Elijah Moore. So you can't get take lock. Uh, I mean, Garrett Wilson, I could have easily said for my receiver, I'm struggling to rank, but really it's Curtis Samuel and the commanders who wasn't expecting this kind of pass volume for one. I was certainly not expecting Curtis Samuel then to dominate said pass volume and have the highest target share of any commander's receiver each of the first two games. And it's weird. He's producing, he's having these huge workloads, but it's not like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson are not producing, but it certainly seems like Curtis Samuel has the best rapport with Carson Wentz, which kind of doesn't surprise me. Carson Wentz has kind of become infamous for not wanting to target his receivers a lot. Like Curtis Samuel is like a perfect middle of the field kind of guy for Carson Wentz, but I still just have trouble believing when I'm seeing that Curtis Samuel is going to Curtis Samuel is going to continue to like so decisively out target Terry McLaurin. But I mean, are we? Do we have to rank Curtis Samuel ahead of Terry McLaurin for Week Three, Lawrence? I, I, I won't put him in front of scary Terry just yet, but he's, I, I'll definitely have him over Jahad Dotson based on volume alone. Uh, Dotson's been a touchdown guy the first couple weeks. Uh, I actually, in, in my, uh, in my optimal flex article last week, I said that this might be the last time I put Curtis Samuel in this article because it'll be become like the norm to start him at this point. Um, he's he, he's getting carries out the backfield. There he you was know, Debo there. before Debo was Debo. People forget. Yeah, he doing his little role that he had at Ohio State, you know, and uh, he's scoring every game. Um, in my personal teams, you know, um, I have him in my wide receiver two slot right now because I, you know, I, I he's gonna be a flex, but I have to have him in my wide receiver two slot, you know, and uh, n- you know, now that they're playing the Eagles. Like, I don't see any slowing down, you know. Um, even if Carson Wentz throws Kirk Cousins-type interceptions against the Eagles' defense, that doesn't matter, obviously, for receivers. So, you know, that they should get volume. But like you said, it's not like Terry McLaurin and Jahad Dawson are just getting ignored. That's what makes it tough to rank. I'm having a tough time between, you know, Samuel – and McLaurin, that's what's getting me. But it's that take lock. It's like, oh, Terry McLaurin is the number one receiver. But it's like, but is he? Money-wise, he is. But is he in production? That's the main question. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you're making if Carson Wentz can't get you the ball without making an interception, basically. And he seems very comfortable targeting Curtis Samuel. And I actually did... I mean, I feel it's the kind of thing that could look so stupid, but I, I did rank Curtis Samuel ahead of Terry McLaurin this week. And I, I, you know, I obviously didn't do it after one game where he yeah. decisively out-targeted him 11-4, to four, but then doing it again in week two. And it's kind of knowing what kind of passer Carson Wentz is. I'm kind of just going for it this week. And it's not by much. I have Curtis Samuel ranked right on the targets. It's very understandable. Like you said earlier, once you get into the week and, you know, see some more things – yeah, it could, it could change. Very, it could vary because, like, he balling right now. It, it's clear that all he needed to do was stay healthy, and healthy, hopefully he continues to do so. We'll be right back after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. 
With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Don't forget to check out Matthew Barry's new show, Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry. The legendary fantasy football analyst is back with NBC and Roto World doing what he does best, rolling out his love-hate list, breaking down who to start and sit, and so much more. There will also be actionable information along the way for sports bettors. Check it out weekdays at noon on Peacock or listen to the show in podcast form wherever you download and subscribe. Lawrence, we're at, we're at tight ends. And you know, we're going to do some superlatives. We might just kind of be able to bag the superlatives because I was going to ask you who your most disappointing player was, and you gave me an answer that he was also your toughest tight end to rank. And who 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 are we going to talk about here at tight end, Lawrence? Yeah, definitely Kyle Pitts. This is the most disappointing situation maybe in all of fantasy football right now, and it's it has made it, you know, extremely hard for me to rank this guy. Um, and Kyle Pitts, this is to no fault of your own. This is your coach's fault. And he's on that, tilt. Arthur Smith is on tilt about this. We got, you know, offenses in which Justin Jefferson – and Cooper Cup be running around wide open because their coaches scheme and manufacture them targets, but we can't get none of that for Kyle Pitts. No. And now I don't know. The largest the human in the United States the, of America. Yeah, and like also the fastest. largest, fastest combo. And he's still 21 years old right now, right? On the, you know, obviously, clearly the Falcons was never really truly going to come back, but they do good at making you look like it. In their attempt to come back uh, versus the Rams, on the very last play, Marcus Mariota, you know, he throw into double coverage on the side that has Jalen Ramsey Not to Brian Edwards. On the opposite side was Kyle Pitts in single-man coverage. Yeah, man, that's just the epitome of Kyle Pitts' first two weeks. Uh, So this week, even against a Seahawks defense who is, you know, giving up touchdowns to the uh, to to the to tight ends in the first couple of weeks. I'm skeptical about where I can rank this young man. Yeah, I've treated him as like the set it and forget it tight end three. I've so far dropped into tight end five. For week three, which is so not a big drop, but I put him behind uh, Dallas Goddard. I put him behind Darren Waller, who had a pretty solid week two. Yeah. And it's just too like – my only concern really about Kyle Pitts coming this season was Marcus Mariota is not a guy known for like pulling the trigger on like tough throws. And with the kind of coverage Kyle Pitts faces, the kind of defensive attention he commands, you're going to have to make some tough throws to Kyle Pitts. But – he said now he seems kind of spooked even on the non-tough throws where he has Kyle Pitts singled up. And uh, maybe Kyle Pitts' route tree isn't big enough yet to succeed with a quarterback like Marcus Mariota. Um, but, I mean, so it's two games. Hopefully we look back and it feels really, really silly. Um, but, yeah, you've got to have a little Kyle Pitts they, con- they took a this, little concern they, right now. They took this man fourth overall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fourth, fourth over, over Jamar Chase. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you should maybe look into that Atlanta Falcons and consider using uh, someone you made the fourth overall pick. And yeah, it could be silly, could be a special player, but it's also not a situation where it's like, oh, he'll be fine. Because there are some – Marcus Mariota is the biggest concern. I think an even bigger concern than Arthur Smith. This, is Marcus Mariota the kind of quarterback who can create success with a player like this? I mean, he's got Drake London looking good. He does. Drake he London look- looking good. You know, he's had. Which maybe that's just because, I don't know, maybe Drake London is facing less coverage because he's not Kyle Pitts. Yeah. So he's easy well, to throw well hopefully, you know, Drake London has showed that he's, you know, pretty damn good himself. So, you know, maybe they start paying a little more attention to him because he's a big receiver too. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, man. two but, really yeah. big receivers. Yeah. You yeah would like- you're, cert- you're certainly not, to those out there listening, you're certainly not benching him because that's, no, no. that's not what you pay for. No, no. We're just telling you that you can be a little concerned, but that hopefully it'll be fine. And it probably will be fine. The only, I was say the guy I'm having trouble ranking at tight end is 
anyone after tight end nine, which was <laughs> Dawson Knox this week, or it would be tight end 10 if Dalton Schultz was healthy. But after it, Mark Andrews, Kelsey, Waller, Goddard, Pitts, Fryermuth, Hawkinson, Ertz, and Darson, Dawson Knox, you're already into like dart throw territory. Like Tyler Higby, really mistake prone guy. Gerald Everett, a really mistake prone guy. Logan Thomas, who's maybe the fifth option in his offense, coming off a torn ACL. Evan Ingram, Irv Smith, Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst. Like three of these Robert guys. Robert Tanyan. Yeah, three, is that, three of these guys have to be ranked as tight end ones. And that's wow. I feel like you're just totally guessing. And it's always the, the least deep position. And it's just looking like shockingly thin this year. And I mean, Tyler Hapey, he's getting some targets and some catches these first. He, he's like, you remember when like three years ago, people was like starting him and hyping him up? He he kind of playing like that again since Matthew Stafford a little gun shy early here in the season. He been uh dump dumping it down to uh Tyler Hibby. But again, Tyler Hibby could come up in week three with one catch for five yards. Yes. So what do we do? Yeah, I we cry. And we just we hope and we pray thoughts and prayers to our tight end position. Um because I have no idea what to do. And again, if you have tips, if you got a lean, feel free to tweet at me on who my tight end 10 should be this week. Well, Lawrence, I mean, we we're going to talk. So if we we're going to talk some surprise, I don't know. I think we've had a pretty good show, though, already. Should we, should we just call it a day? Should we yeah, call we, it a day? We're feeling pretty good. You know, we just got to get our rankings right now for the people. Yeah, I know. We got to get our rankings for the people. We got to get them sorted out for ourselves so we don't look dumb. Um, and it's, I'm going to look, there's going to be, you need to look dumb on a few things. I feel like in week two and week three, because <laughs> yeah, you can't be, you can't like be too set in your ways. You got to make some aggressive moves yeah. on some flag plants and some of them will probably end up wrong, but you're not trying, you know, do, it's not like hot takey or anything like that. You just, you got to trust your eyes after two weeks and some things will revert to the mean, but some things are yeah. going to be the new normal. Like maybe yeah. Garrett Wilson being a wide receiver too. Yeah. So, and that's you gotta, what we had to decipher. That's what you got to decipher. We tried to do it for you today. Um, so check out all of our great stuff on the site. Check out my ranks. Check out Lawrence ranks in the season pass. Check out the news updated every day. Great content from everyone on staff. Um, so thanks for listening. Thank you for reading Road to World. For Lawrence Jackson, I'm Patrick Darty. We'll catch you later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.